Sports 601 podcast here Wednesday, October the 2nd. Kevin, we got some fresh news, don't we? We do. We had the announcements for the Bernard Blackwell uh, North-South All-Star Game and, of course, the Mississippi-Alabama game. And we had several, several notable faces on that team, mm-hmm. both both of them. Yeah, especially in the uh, North and South All-Star Game. We'll, we'll kind of start first with the Mississippi-Alabama All-Star Game. I think as they were talking in the uh, little press conference today, they said that, uh, of course, this game this year – will be at M.M. Roberts Stadium on the campus of Southern Miss. And I believe they said that uh, the Mississippi team has never lost in the state of Mississippi in this game. Right. They've never lost on Mississippi soil in this game. You know, now that we've got the state championships that are alternating between Ole Miss, Mississippi State, and Southern Miss, uh, we now get, uh, every other year, we get the All-Star game. The Mississippi Alabama All Star Game, so uh, really cool that we get that, and uh, yeah, like you said, never lost in on Mississippi soil. Yeah, that's good. Uh, I know they uh, Alabama kind of wins this series kind of handily, but um, I know last year uh, the Mississippi team won, and I believe they've won three out of the last four. Right. So uh, we're hoping for another Mississippi win over Alabama in the uh, Mississippi Alabama. All-Star game, high school All-Star game. Uh, we'll go through some of the names of the kids in our area. Actually, we only had three, and then we had a coach also from our area that's going to be coaching, helping coach the, the Mississippi squad. Uh, defensive lineman from Wayne County, Armandus Cooley. Right. Got that name right. Good deal. <laughs> I was a little scared about that one. That's one of them tricky names to say. Uh, also, we've talked about this kid on our podcast here before and, and all the offers he's getting. Um, but offensive lineman from Mize, Trey Tuggle, who's actually committed to Tulane. I believe he told us he had, what, 19 D1 yeah, offers? So, yeah, he almost two dozen. Um, he has uh, quite a few offers, a couple from the SEC. Uh, but chose to go to Tulane. Uh, and then we also have an offensive lineman from Oak Grove, Trenton Jackson. Uh, you've seen that guy play. Tell us a little bit about him. Yeah, he's a really good kid, first of all. Uh, heard from a lot of people. Actually had someone email me talking about him early on in the season. Uh, really good stout kid. And uh, I mentioned it on uh, Twitter today that the Mississippi line – is going to be good with Tuggle and Jackson uh, anchoring that. So uh, really excited, really glad that that he got a nod in that Mississippi-Alabama game. Uh, no skilled players from our area. That's kind of uh, 
I wouldn't say a shocker, but uh, you know, normally we have some skilled players from this area to make the Mississippi squad this year. It's just nothing but uh, offensive and defensive linemen. Uh, so a nice change, I guess you would say. We do have a coach that's going to be coaching the linebackers for the Mississippi squad, uh, North Forest own Anthony Dillon. Uh, that's in your coverage area. Uh, I know you know uh, Dylan pretty well. You got got to meet him a couple of times since you've started with us. Uh, just kind of talk a little bit about him. Yeah, great young coach. Got a lot of energy. You know, he'll be coaching linebackers, which I think suits him well. You know, they kind of joked about it uh, during the conference this morning uh, on the live stream that a lot of Mississippi coaches are kind of defensive, I feel like, you know, in, in this game. So, uh, yeah, great energy, and he'll be really good for for those kids. And just real quick on uh, Trenton Jackson, uh, he is actually committed to Kennesaw State. So, okay. Uh, he, that's, that's what he says. You don't He's, see that often around here. Right, right. So <laughs> I actually have a friend who is a professor at Kennesaw State, so okay. that would be interesting. Um we get to talk to him and tell him that we've got a Grove kid come up there. Yeah. Of course, the Mississippi-Alabama All-Star game, like we mentioned before, will be held at M.M. Roberts Stadium on the campus of Southern Miss on December 14th at 12 o'clock. Uh, we'll kind of go into some kids that we have in our area that is on the South team in the Bernard Blackwell uh, High School All-Star game. That game will take place on December the 21st at Gulfport's Miller Stadium at uh, Milner Stadium, excuse me, at uh, 11.30 a.m. in the morning. Uh, let's go through those kids that we have. We have Chris Keyes from Collins. He's a defensive back. We got Decorian Newsom from Petal. He's a linebacker. Uh, Anthony Bullock from Hattiesburg, also a linebacker. Uh, defensive lineman from Raleigh, uh, Chapal Boykin. Boykin. Uh, we got uh, another linebacker, uh, this time from Wayne County, Christopher Wally. You got Austin Keys from Seminary. He'll be uh, on the defensive line. Uh, Taylorsville wide receiver Jabez uh, Griffith. He will be on the South Squad too. And then you have another wide receiver from our area from Oak Grove, Brandon Hayes. And then to uh, top out the list of players in the Sports 601 area that will be playing on the South Squad, you've got Micah McGowan from Pedal. He'll be um, playing running back. Yeah, some really, really good athletes in our coverage area. I know uh, Christopher Wally, he's been playing a little bit of defensive line, too, I think, on the defensive end. Uh, they might be putting him some at linebacker, but I think he mainly plays around defensive end. Um, yeah, like, man, I was super excited to see uh, Jacorian Newsom's name up there. You know, he just had the mm-hmm. 21 tackle game this week. It was our player of the week. He's had two games where he's had 20 tackles or more out of five. So, yeah, I, I was ex- extremely excited to see his name. And then Michael McGowan uh, from Pedal. And then you have your coaches. Tony Vance from Hattiesburg, he will be your head coach. And Donovan Tate, his wide receivers coach, will also follow him in that game as the wide receivers coach. Uh, you have Dante Durr is Mount yes. Olive, another assistant coming on there. I believe he's coaching DBs. Uh, you know, Don't quote me on that, but I believe that's what I heard during the conference this morning. And then Chad Collins from James's area, he's the Raleigh head coach. I uh, can't remember. I think he may be coaching linebackers. Not exactly sure. Uh, they just had him down as an assistant. Assistant coach, yeah. Yeah, so – 
Uh, overall, we had 12 players total selected in these all-star games between the two and then five coaches. Also, I want to give a shout-out to Todd Mangum that would push it to six. He's he's on as an assistant, I believe, in that Mississippi-Alabama game. So, he coaches at Wayne Academy now. So, you know, I feel like it's a good, solid team, especially. I mean, we've got a lot of talent on we the do. defensive side of the ball and in between the, tra- the trenches. Uh, defensive line, linebacker, offensive line. So, uh, any players you think that maybe should have made it in your area? Uh, one of the guys I want to mention that actually made it, uh, and we've mentioned him just a while ago, the Taylorsville wide receiver, Jabez uh, Griffith. He has, uh, I believe, 23 catches on the year for 521 yards, averages about 22.7 yards a catch, and uh, has five receiving touchdowns on the year. So I uh, wasn't surprised to see his name come up on the list. There really isn't anybody that kind of comes to mind from this area that I, I thought should have made the list. You know, it's kind of weird how they pick some of these players. You know, they do it in a year in advance, and they really go based on what you did as a junior. Right. So, you know, we could have some kids that may have an outstanding year. Right. As a senior, no, that they just don't get picked. They just don't get picked because of how they played uh, as a junior. Maybe they didn't have the numbers. I know one thing that kind of comes to mind of based on, you know, the way they picked this is, you know, Scotty Phillips uh, running back for uh, Ole Miss right now didn't make either one of the uh, all-star teams and went on to have a stellar career. So, you know, just because kids don't make it, um, in these all-star games, it doesn't mean that they didn't have a great – they're not going to have a great senior year or they're not having a great senior year. It's just kind of going based on how you did as a junior. I know with the Scotty Phillips thing, he was injured a lot his junior year, right. so there wasn't enough stats, enough um, you know, kind of film for those coaches to watch. So it's kind of weird how that happens, but you know, as much as film as they have to watch to be able to pick these rosters, you know, it can't be done – um, in, in one or two weeks into the season uh, during these kids' senior year. Right, and that, that's what I wanted to add because I've already had someone message me today and ask how they picked that. And you're right, they do. They look at that. I'm, I'm assuming as soon as the season ends. So yeah. the 2018 season ended and they started looking over film and selected coaches. Um, you know, because one, one big thing I got asked uh, a couple of years ago was uh, you had Scotty Phillips and then uh, you had a running back from Wayne County, Freddie Jordan, who absolutely lit up the field his senior year. But like you said, they didn't post much in their junior year. Uh, so it's it's kind of weird, but understandable how they have to do it. Like you said, they have to look over so much film mm-hmm. that there's really not enough time. Uh, so, you know, one thing that they mentioned was Gardner Minshew. Yes, I was going to bring that up. Minshew was, is an NFL starting quarterback now. And, and doing he, great in yeah, this rookie season. And he wasn't selected for either one of these games. He was. He was selected for the, 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 for the North and South. For the North-South game. I remember them the, saying that. But. Right. He wasn't selected for the Mississippi-Alabama game. Right. Um, but, yeah, like, uh, don't – So yeah. this is not an end-all – to be right. all kind of thing. It's just kind of like I said, it goes based on what you did as a junior. And, you know, some of these kids that didn't make the list or maybe on the South roster that, that thought they should be in the Alabama All-Star or Alabama-Mississippi All-Star game, uh, you guys are going to get your chance. So if you didn't make the list, you know, don't, uh, you know, don't, don't, don't take these lists too 
too personal, I guess you would say. Or if you do, take it personal and, and improve yourself uh, in the years to come. So, But it was good to see the kids that didn't make it this year. Well, welcome to our Sports 601 podcast, Season 1, Episode 7. I'm your host, James Pugh. I cover sports for the Sports 601 and Laurel Impact for Jasper, Jones, Smith, and Wayne County. And to my 12 o'clock, sipping on a Subway sweet tea, uh, who covers sports for us for sports601.com and the Hattiesburg Impact for Forrest Lamar and Covington County, Kevin Lindsay. Would I rather be feared or loved? Um, Is it both? I want people to be afraid of how much they love me. Yeah, that was actually Dr. Pepper, not sweet tea. There's, I do not okay. care for. I do not care. I for, thought you got sweet tea. I don't so. care for Subway sweet tea. I do not. Well, <laughs> I'm I'm a little disappointed that I did not get the Subway sweet tea. I ended up getting the vitamin water, which hey is great. You got um, that pomegranate stuff. Yeah, I'm trying to. Try to I try to drink healthy because I know I don't eat healthy. So uh, I try to sometimes, but I can't yeah. avoid the Dr Pepper. So uh, it's kind of like getting a big old hamburger <laughs> and then getting a diet coke, you know. So so week six, how yes. did you do, James? Uh, went nine and three. Went seven and three last week. Had a few more games uh, in my coverage area, two to be exact, extra this week. So I went nine and three. What about you? I went nine and two. Had a good week. Yeah, both uh, both had a good week. I think so far we've only. Only had one bad week yeah and that was uh i think week two for me or maybe week three i went five for five and goodness gotta feel these teams out. yeah yeah it's hard to pick these 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 games uh, early in the season but now that we've kind of got our wits about them seen some of these teams play obviously we can't get to every single team on friday night but um Having got to see some of these teams play, it's a little bit easier to, to pick those games. Uh, let's talk about some games that, that went on uh, in week six in my area. Where I was at uh, Friday night was at West Jones, or they opened up Region 35A play with a big win over Brookhaven 44 to 7. West Jones remains unbeaten on the year and a big win for that program. Man, West Jones, let me tell you about them. They are. You know, I wrote a column this week, and I, I mentioned the fact that at what point uh, does West Jones enter the discussion as one of the top teams in 5A? I don't believe they're there right now, but I do believe they're a good team, and they're just like last year. The same thing that happened last year, early in the season, they wasn't that great, but each game, each week, each day, they got better and better, and and, and I see that happening this year, and and they're you know un, unbeaten on the year, and and picked up a big win over Brookhaven. You know that game was normally very close right. in the last couple of years, but uh, West Jones pulls away from that one, 44 to seven. Uh, other scores to mention uh, from last Friday night: you have uh, Laurel thumping South Jones to open district play, fifty-five to zero. Bay Springs, man, they are on a roll. Let me tell you, and they got a big game coming up this week. We'll talk a little bit more about that. But Bay Springs is six and zero on the season. They win last Friday night. 14 to 7, and they had to do so by going over the state line into Alabama. They beat Clark uh, County uh, 14 to 7. Uh, this is their f- first 6 and 0 start since 1980, so 39 years. And what's amazing about this, and we talked to Dan Brady a little bit earlier this week, is 
you know, they're doing this with a whole lot of freshmen. Lost a, a solid group of guys on offense and defense last year. And there's freshmen that are now in the mix, and they're still rolling. And they've got a big game this week. We'll talk about that a little bit later. Other games, you got a barn burner uh, between North Forest and uh, Heidelberg. That score ended up six to zero. Uh, North Forest picks up their second yes. win of the season. So good job for uh, Anthony Dillon and his crew of picking up a win against Heidelberg. Uh, you also had Myers thumping Lloyd Star forty-one to zero. One of the games that I've got I got wrong. Obviously, I was wanting to. I think I was picking with my heart a little bit more than I was my head, but uh, Northeast Jones ended up losing to Forest County Agricultural High School 14 to three. You had Scott Central rolling all over Raleigh 40 to 12. Stringer with a big win over Mount Olive 40 to 27. North Delta 42, Civil Bay zero. Uh, And here's a shocker, Jackson Prep 28, Taylorsville zero. Are you shocked? That, that Jackson Prep beat Taylorsville, or are you more shocked about the score? I'm not shocked about them beating Taylorsville. What I am shocked is about is about the score. Uh, and I mentioned this also in my column this week. This was the first time in 15 years, almost to the day, since Taylorsville has been shut out. You know, they, they've been consistently a um, – good to above average to average team over the last several years and even over the last decade and uh you know in 15 years ago 2004 uh they actually lost um two three games uh without scoring points um so this was their first uh shutout in 15 years uh, Jackson Prep gets that win, twenty-eight to zero. Bowen Green all over Wayne Academy, forty to zero, and Wayne County picks up a big win in region play as they started. Region is it four? Oh uh, yeah, I believe four three A or four five A. My bad. Uh, they pick up a win over Hattiesburg, thirty-eight to twenty-one. Uh, Kevin, kind of go over some of the scores you had Friday night. Sure, we had uh, Stringer, like you said earlier, they beat Mount Olive actually forty to twenty-four. Is what that My score bad. ended up being. Yeah, Mount Olive, they put up a fight literally to the very end. I mean, they they scored at the whistle uh, Friday night, and then got a two-point conversion. Uh, so they did put up a fight. Uh, George County defeated Oak Grove. They jumped out to a little bit of a lead early. Then Oak Grove came storming back, and you thought that they had this game under control. And George County ends up defeating Oak Grove to send them uh, to two straight losses. It's been a while since that's happened to Oak Grove. Yeah. Two straight losses. Uh, you had probably the best game in my area. I would agree. Uh, Pedal versus Pearl. Pedal defeated Pearl 38 to 37 in overtime. Pearl went for two, did not get it. Uh, then you had, of course, Wayne County over Hattiesburg, North Forest over Heidelberg. The shocker of the night was Purvis over Seminary. And that's not a shot at Purvis. That's not. Purvis has been playing good ball, but Seminary getting beat. They were in the AP prep poll at like number three, I believe it was. So for them to only score 13 on Purvis has got to be a shot in the arm to Purvis, but it's also going to make Seminary kind of question where they go from here in a really, really tough uh, region. So... 
that was probably a shocker. Uh, Resurrection Catholic defeated Sacred Heart 47-0. Florence uh, defeated Collins, who fought hard, uh, 28-24. That game was that game was close. Uh, Summerall got back in the win column over Newton County 20-6. Presbyterian Christian, those Bobcats keep rolling. 41-22. And then Forest County Ag, 14 North John, Northeast Jones three. That game was actually pretty close too. Northeast Jones uh, kicked a field goal right before halftime, and then Forest County returned the kick as in the closing seconds of the first half. So uh, that was a close game. Uh, so that was my uh, week five, I believe it would be week six. Week six. That yes. was my week six. <laughs> we're, they're all, they're all together. running together now. I mean, we're yeah. in the heat of the season here. Uh, let's talk about where we'll be uh, here in week seven. Uh, big Thursday night game, probably the biggest game in the regular season for both of these schools, Bay Springs and Taylorsville. The Bulldogs will travel to Taylorsville to take on the Tartars. The Bulldogs, like we mentioned before, 6-0 and for the first time in 39 years. Taylorsville was 5-1 and on the season. Man, this game is, is going to be good. I, I just, you know... As good as Bay Springs has been this year, they found a way to win every single week, and they found ways to win kind of in different areas. I think for the last couple weeks, the reason they've been able to pull out victories is because they've been having some big plays on special teams. And uh, we talked to Dan Brady this week. He said, you know, that's kind of what they're looking at this week. They want to, you know, be sure that they make some really good plays on special teams because they know they got their hands full with Taylorsville. Um, And I wrote about this in my predictions this week, which you can find on sports601.com. Even though Bay Springs is 6-0 for the first time in 39 years, they're just not – they're just not at the level what Taylorsville is right now. As long as Taylorsville didn't bring back the team they put on the field in at Jackson Prep, I believe Taylorsville should take this game because uh, I do believe they're a step or two ahead of Bay Springs at this point in the season. And then, of course, Friday night, I will be on the reservation in Ellisville where a uh, big Region 3-5A matchup and I say big, not because I think this game is going to be close, but just because it's a county rivalry and, man, you don't know what's going to happen in those games. But uh, we got West Jones traveling to South Jones. I expect West Jones to win this pretty handily. I think South Jones is a little down this year, obviously, with losing some of the guys that they had last year um, and, and a lot of injuries that they've gone through. It's, this should be an easy easy win for West Jones. Uh, where will you be at Friday night, Kevin? Well, Friday night I have the rivalry game. This is the rivalry game of the Power Bell. I'm excited to be able to cover this one. You have Pedal coming in forward one, one and oh in region play. And then you have uh, Oak Grove who is hosting this game, three and two, over one in region play. Uh, this game is gonna be good. It's gonna be a style clash. Pedal likes to ground and pound. Oak Grove kind of likes to spread this ball out. I'm excited. Uh, you can see my prediction of that game. Uh, just to mention real quick, about the Thursday night game because I'm going to that one with you. Uh, I, I found a couple of things interesting whenever you were interviewing Dan Brady. One, they went to a four-man front for Taylorsville. 
So they changed their defense. And just thinking about it on that, I think a couple of teams in 2A kind of changed their defense to adapt to Taylorsville. You don't hear that often about a team completely changing how they how they do defensively in their scheme for one team. Right. And, and he was quick to point out that they changed their scheme for Taylorsville. Uh, so that was interesting. And then, of course, of course, you asked him what would it mean if they played closer one, and I loved his response. Not a dadgum thing. <laughs> like, I love I love Dan Brady's honesty because yes. he's like, this is a two-round fight. We expect to see him in the playoffs. I love those questions where you kind of don't get what you expect right. from the coach. And, and I definitely wasn't expecting that, but I did appreciate his honesty and, and really understood what he was mentioning. You know, this is just the regular season. Obviously, you want to get to the playoffs, and you might meet them again like they seem to do every single year. Right. Um, this was a uh, South State matchup yeah. last year. Yeah, it was. Both of these teams met together in regular season and then played each other again in the playoffs. So, you know, whatever happens, and, and kind of what he said, you know, whatever happens this Thursday night, it's not the end all to do all because you have a chance to meet up with them again. I think uh, his response was back in 2015. I got a similar response from Todd Mangle. Uh, you know, the Wayne County Laurel game was just hot. It was white hot. And I asked uh, what the game meant for his team because Wayne County had just lost. And he's like, nothing. He's like, we're playing here. I think it was like four weeks, mm-hmm. and it was South State Championship. And I was like, all right, you're pretty confident thinking <laughs> that you're going to play this out. But he was right. Uh, so, you know, I, I just – I love that mentality with coaches. And, uh, you know, the same can be said for Pedal Up Grove. This is a matchup Friday night. We might see again in the playoffs and mm-hmm. have a round two. So while it's important, I, t- I talked to Jakiri Newsom uh, yesterday mm-hmm. for Player of the Week. He's like, this is just another regular season game. This is getting us to the playoffs. Have you ever been to a pedal up curve game? I have. I okay. went a few years ago, and it was electric. Actually, uh, if I'm not mistaken – I'm pretty sure pedal student section shot off fireworks or something. And every, all the photographers on the end were freaking out because we saw sparks. And, of course, the security was coming over there and had to settle them down. But, yeah, it, it was a great, great atmosphere. So I'm excited for that again. Yeah, there's there's several games this week that are going to be really good. Obviously, Thursday night I have the big rival rivalry game and then Friday night you've got one in your area so um, some good games this week and then also some games that I, I don't think are going to be that fun to watch because right. you kind of they're a little lopsided in how they go and we'll mention some of these games that's kind of going on um, be sure to check out our predictions on sports601.com and I mentioned that because the first game that I will mention that will be taking place Friday night I'm going to step out and uh, make one of those bold statements. You got one in four Raleigh traveling to Crystal Springs, who is five and zero on the year. I'm calling upset alert on this game because let me tell you, Raleigh is a very dangerous one in four team. They have played some very, 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 very good talent so far, and have just not been able to win those games. Um, and this game last year, actually, uh, Raleigh won twenty-one to zero. So, you know, I'm, I'm gonna go with the I'm gonna go with the Raleigh Lions this week on uh, 
ending the streak for Crystal Springs, who was at 5-0 and on this uh, early season. Uh, other games, you got 1-5 Civil Bay traveling to Centerville Academy, who is 2-4. You got 2-4 Heidelberg traveling to Enterprise, who is 5-0 and on the year. Um, they're normally a team that's that, that's not that great during the regular season, and and this year, man, they're just rolling at five and zero on the year. You have uh, one and four Brookhaven traveling to Laurel between the bricks. Uh, Laurel's four and one on the season and one and zero in region play. Six and zero Mize traveling to Puckett, who is four and two. This should be a very good and interesting game. I think if I wasn't going to the West Jones South Jones game, that would be a game that I would want to attend. Then you have two and four northeast johns traveling to richland who is four and two on the year stringer three and three on the year travel to take on resurrection catholic who is unbeaten on the year at five and oh have three and three richton who will take on wade academy who is two and three and then to round out this list in my area you have pearl river central is two and three traveling to waynesboro to take on the wayne county war eagles who are three and two uh, kevin mentioned the games that are going on in your area as well sure i have pascagoula they are coming to hattiesburg pascagoula enters this game two and three they're taking on hattiesburg who's one and four you have five and one in st patrick they are coming to play two and four north forest you have Seminary, who's four and two, facing a tough McGee team that is undefeated. Yes. And that's a big district game. So we'll see how Seminary responds there. Uh, you have Lumberton, who's four and two, taking on Sacred Heart, who's 0 and five. And you have Stone, one and three. They'll be visiting Purvis, who is three and three. And then you have Summerall or Green County. I'm actually kind of excited about this game. Uh, one, because Summerall seems to have bounced back. And then Greene County, I've, I've got a couple of friends who live that way. And they're kind of excited, you know, seeing what they got. Greene County's played, if you look at their schedule, played a pretty good schedule so far. So this will be fun. Uh, Mount Olive going on the road to face Leak County. I think Mount Olive should get the win there. I, I feel like Mount Olive will get the win. Uh, then you have Oak Forest Academy. Uh, traveling to Presbyterian Christian. This is Presbyterian Christian's homecoming. Uh, so they're going to keep rolling. And uh, Shout out to their Twitter. They said I made a smart move by picking the Bobcats. <laughs> so, um, but Poplarville who was 1-4. That kind of surprised you that Poplarville was 1-4 a little bit? Yes, it does. Yeah, I think it does. It does me too. And uh, they'll be uh, traveling to Forest County Ag who is 2-3. And, and then of course Petal Oak Grove is where I'll be, but you can see all of my predictions there on the site at sports601.com. All right, let's talk a little college football before we end this podcast. And uh, Kevin, I'll, this kind of big news that's coming out here for college football, we'll kind of get into this a little bit and and, and get our opinions in on this. Um, this is from the Los Angeles Times a couple of days ago. And I'm going to read just a little bit of it to kind of fill you in on what's going on, and we'll kind of talk about it a little bit. Uh, California became the first state to require major finance reforms in college athletics on Monday after Governor Newsom signed into law a measure that would allow players to re- receive endorsement deals despite the NCAA 
calling the move unconstitutional. Other states have proposed similar measures to pressure the NCAA, but so far only California um, is in a collision course with the governing body of the college athletics, a billion-dollar organization that has repeatedly opposed efforts to allow players to profit from their sports. Senate Bill 206 by... Senator Nancy Skinner, a Democrat from the Berkeley region, prohibits the NCAA from barring a university from competition if its athletes are compensated for the use of their name, image, or likeness being. Uh, This law that's been signed uh, by the governor will go into effect in 2023. That's that's important to mention, and we'll, we'll, we'll talk a little bit about that in a minute. Uh, the University of California system, uh, California State University, Stanford, and USC all oppose the bill, saying they fear it would increase costs to ensure compliance with the law and lead to fines or even expulsion from the NCAA. Newsom said university presidents and athletic boosters contacted him and urged him to veto the bill, but that he felt strongly for the state that they needed to address the racial, gender, and economic injustices ingrained in college athletics. Uh, Kevin, kind of give us your insights on this. So, I I feel like this is a really really touchy subject because it is. because people have such strong opinions on this. Okay, so I'm still looking at this. So don't take mine as the gospel. Okay, here's here's what I see. I don't think that a school or the NCAA should have the power for a human being to sell their likeness, okay? So take this for instance, if if Johnny Manziel wanted to sign 10 autographs and charge me $25 an autograph, that should be Johnny Manziel's choice, okay? Now, don't think I'm so naive to think that college athletics are clean and tidy and a booster would say, I'll pay you $50,000 for your autograph just wink we come to put your school here okay but i feel like that's where it's so great now i'm not on the whole thing of everybody deserves to get a participation award and all that that's not what i teach my daughter you work hard you go through and you you if you want it and you think you deserve it you work for it and you try to get it but at the, at the same time i feel like that there has to be some area that we can come to a, a conclusion with. And yeah, I understand athletes, they they get their education, most are scholarship and all this. I, I understand that. Uh, and I think we talked about it a little bit yesterday. I, I'm in the, the position, especially with the, with basketball, and I know it's a whole different beast from football, but you know, basketball and baseball, and even football to a point, if, if a kid wants to go, or an adult at 18, if he can go and join the Army, he should be able to go play in the NFL if he wants to. And that's the deal where the NFL then has to say, okay, we gotta create a developmental league. But it, I, I feel like if you can sign up to go across the pond and uh, be, in, be in the military and all this stuff, then you should be able to go and play in the NFL as a career or wherever you want to go. Um, so I, I don't think the NCAA is 100% right, 
but I don't think that this bill is 100% right either. So I, I'm, like I said, I'm still trying to learn it. Don't present this as I'm speaking the gospel here because I'm not. I'm trying to learn it too. But I feel like uh, I feel like what they're talking about, especially at the end where they're talking about the gender and racial issue, man, that is just that's that, much. yeah. That, that's what got me about the article, and, and I'm all for addressing racial. Um, injustice, gender injustices, and all that good stuff. Um, but they they really highlighted economic injustice. Yeah. Uh, California's got bigger problems. Right. You know. Right. Um, I call them the out there state. Yeah. Um, you got problems within the city. You got homeless people crapping on the sidewalk, and you know the police force cannot do anything about it have been told not to do anything about it. Um, a countless number of, of, of homeless people in California, you got the, their economics is nowhere near where it should be. Um, there's just a lot of problems in California and for them to take on a subject like this and to not take on their other problems, which they've kind of like, we just let you do what you want to kind of deal. And, right. and we go do these wild things. You know, there's more important things that they need to take care of and discuss. And this just ain't it. Right. And the only way, I always say this, the only way that I think this should be, if they're, if they're going to allow this to happen, the only way I think it should happen is if the NAA, uh, NCAA as a whole was to say, we're going to allow this because they are the governing body of college athletics. Right. And I'm a big proponent of individual um, freedoms. I don't think the government should be getting involved in college athletics. Yeah. I don't believe that the government should force the NCAA to say this is what we want you to do and this is how you're going to do it. Now, if the NCAA wanted to say, we'll allow this across the nation, I think it would be a lot more fair than to say, if this is allowed in California, just imagine a kid that's getting uh, recruited by Notre Dame. Uh, Notre Dame recruiter comes up and say, man, we would love to have you at Notre Dame. We would love you to come and play college football or college basketball or college baseball or whatever sport they may play. And in walks a recruiter from California and says, hey, come over to California. You'll get paid. Right. It's just not fair. Yeah, now, I know there's a bunch of unfairness in the NCAA. There's, you know, they treat some conferences different than the others. They seem to go after teams that, you know, are on the rise um, and kind of let teams that are up there, and I won't mention any names, kind of get away with a lot of stuff and not punish them as hard. Um, You know, I just, I don't like it. I I just don't like it in general. But if this is going to happen, the only way that I would, I would want it to happen if it's across the board and not just one or two or three or four or five states saying, hey, we're going to allow this. And then it becomes unfair for the other. We just, and it's really the signs of the time, I think. I think we're in kind of this 
mentality of uh in society where i'm entitled to this i'm entitled to that for those who say that college athletes don't get paid is a lie yeah you get paid a scholarship right. you get paid to be able to go to college so what about that person who is in college it's not playing athletics that has to take out student loans it has to do this but then the athletes Man, they get paid for being in college. Right. They get paid for for being, you know, good players. And the college student who doesn't play athletics, who's good at school, who makes good grades, doesn't get this. I mean, it's just kind of unfair across the board in, 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 in however way you look at it. Well, that, that's where I see that I think it's a catch-22 even with that. Because a college athlete cannot take on a job. They cannot, even a part-time job, they cannot take it on. And honestly, they're probably too busy between practice right. and studying and all that. So the NCAA, I think, is trying to look out for them there that they don't just kill themselves, uh, you know, mentally and physically trying to keep up with a job and all this. But you do you do have those situations where Arian Foster said that he was pretty much having to beg for food because he used his um, he only got an allotted amount to eat at the cafeteria, so he had to like, you know, bomb meals or whatever. Um, I, I don't know. Like that's why I say it's so touchy and let me ask you this, what's the difference? in saying a recruiter from name any school comes up to a kid says if you come and sign with us i'm gonna give you fifty five thousand dollars that kid's gonna be in a whole bunch of trouble so will the team so will the recruiter right what's the difference in that because they're still gonna have to abide by that law to say hey we're not allowing recruits to be brought in and promise money Yet now, recruits can be brought in and promise money too. So, right, it's it's interesting though that USC and all wanted them to veto it, especially a, a program like USC because I think they see the ramifications of this because they're scared the NCAA is going to just be like, "You're gone." As soon as the bill passes, it would well it may pass or may not. Yeah. But was it and 20? that's what they mentioned. Let me uh, read what it says. Um, uh, the uh, President's University School Athletic Board said feared it would increase costs to ensure compliance with the law and lead to fines or even expulsion from the NCAA. Here's where I I don't think I don't think I think the NCAA will cave to this because we've seen in the past they don't really have a backbone. Yeah. So I don't think they would be bold enough to say, okay, California, if you want to have it this way, we're going to expel you from NCAA athletics. I don't think they're going to go that far because they just they haven't shown that they've had a backbone. Yet. Yeah. Times have changed from them putting SMU in the death penalty. Because obviously, you know, the whole Penn State ordeal, don't want to dive into that, but they didn't give Penn State the death penalty. Um, I, I don't know. It, it's tough. It's, it puts the NCAA in a tough spot. And it, it does put teams like USC and Stanford and all, it puts them in a tough spot too. Because they didn't ask for this. If they're asking for right. California to veto it, they obviously didn't ask for this. So it, it's just tough all the way around. You know, I, I understand athletes, they get paid through scholarships, but... Well, with know. everything, there's pros and cons. We've mentioned the pros and we've mentioned the cons. You know, I'm 
more of the let me mention the cons you're kind of more of let me mention the pros about it i just you know it's just not for me it's it's tough like it, it really is and like i said i totally see the other side of it too like i totally see where uh insert schools booster here at said school can go up and say here's twenty five thousand dollars for a signature you know but at the same time how many tim tebow jerseys sold at Florida without the name on how many Dak Prescott's so who wears number 15 at Mississippi State and you don't instantly think of Dak Prescott or number two for Cam Newton's and four at Southern Miss for Brett Favre that number is tied to that name um, whether we like it or not and that makes the school money so how much you know um, we're not sure you know the SEC the SEC network, it's a ton, millions and millions of dollars for every school uh, because of who's on that field, you know. Yeah. Uh, so it's tough. It's, it's great. Right. I, don't, I don't think there's a 100% right answer or wrong answer. Either, either way you look at it, if you look at it from a negative side or a plus side, or should athletes be paid? Uh, and it's just hard because everybody has such strong opinions on it that it's hard to sit down and have a discussion on it. Yeah. All right, let's get into some of the games we got going on this Saturday in the college football world. Uh, we'll mention, we'll start with Juco, a big game in Ellisville, uh, Saturday, I believe, 2 o'clock. Yeah, I 2 believe, o'clock. 2 o'clock. Cat the cat fight. You got PRCC traveling to Jones College. PRCC is 1 and 4 on the season and 0 and 3 in division, and Jones is 3 and 2 and 2 and 1 in the South Division. Uh, your thoughts on this game, Kevin? Could be a long day for PRCC, mm-hmm. but it's a rivalry, yep. and you never know what would have happened. Jones College did lose their first game of the year. And I would have never, never thought that would happen to, to call, lose to Calma, who didn't win a game last year. And but hey. that's their only game they've won this year. Yeah, so, you know, anything can happen. Anything can happen. Anything can happen. But this is going to be a really good game. I believe this is homecoming for Jones College. Yeah. So you got the parade going on. You got all this different kind of stuff going on. So Saturday, um, obviously, USM and, and Mississippi State have bye week. So if you uh, want to get your college football fix and want to go watch a game, we definitely recommend the PRCC versus Jones College game. Uh, Ole Miss is playing this week. They will travel to Vandy to take on the Commodores. Uh I think Ole Miss opened up as like a six or seven point favorite in this game. Who's your starting quarterback this week? Oh, man, uh, did you watch the press? You watch, did you yeah. watch the press conference yeah, with Ole Miss this I week? Watched. Yeah. Uh, the question kept coming up for the head coach and the offensive coordinator, who really wouldn't answer the question. Uh, the question was, you know, do you have a controversy at quarterback now? Who are you going to play? Matt Luke kind of alluded to the fact that uh, if if Matt Corral is, is healthy and he's able to play, I think he alluded to the fact or at least led me to believe that he would be the starting quarterback. But they would definitely have packages for John Rice Plumley since he is so fast. Mm-hmm. Um, to be fast enough to be able to outrun the defense of Alabama, that, that's, that's huge. That's quick. And that's one of the reasons they were very successful early in that game was because of John, John Rice Plumley's speed. I think passing the ball, especially early in the game, he wasn't that great. I think 
at one point he was five for 11. Uh, kind of got a little bit better as the game goes on. And hey, it's his first start uh, in D1 base or football. Uh, so, you know, obviously you can't just kind of judge that one game, but he did have a really good game there uh, against Alabama. Obviously, they lost because Alabama's Alabama, but uh, for them to put up as many points as they did, uh, and, and somebody mentioned this this week of, hey, you know, Alabama, you know, had their second string or whatever in in the second half, and that's when the majority of Ole Miss's points kind of came. But if you look at, at Alabama in the second half this year, I think they've only allowed 23 points in four games. That's like a 5.7 average. So even teams that they've played so far haven't been able to score very much on even their second or third string. And I don't think Alabama uh, – I think they had their their first stringers and their kind of backup guys that they rotate in and out a little bit longer in this game. So they, they played a good portion of the second half. So um, – yeah, the question is who's going to be the quarterback come Saturday of, of versus Vandy. Uh, like I said, if 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 Corral is healthy, I think he'll get the start. But I definitely think you will see a, a good bit of John Rice Plumley in that game because he proved that he can run the ball really well. Uh, and they even led their, I guess you would call him third string quarterback uh, Grant Tisdale come in late in the game, and and I think he's the better passer of all three of them. Yeah, I think Plumley's the better runner of all three of them but i think corral is is good enough at at different different parts of the game that he's just a more well-rounded player maybe than Plumley or tisdale Um, but they each have bring something different to the table so that that quarterback uh, situation is going to be interesting to see as we move forward i'm not sure about corral this week of you know how much first team reps or if he's you know healed from his bruises and and stuff from his ribs that he took in the game before versus California. Um, But it'll be interesting to watch as the uh, weeks go on by. Uh, Kevin, anything else you want to mention? That's about it. I think Ole Miss should should beat Vandy. I picked them to beat Vandy. So, uh, yeah. I mean, I hope that Plumlee continues to be successful. All right. Be sure to check us out at sports601.com for all your high school, JUCO, and college sports updates, articles, photos, and videos. Until next week, we'll see you on the field.